I'm Michael Heyman, and you're listening to Changemakers. Now, my guest today is Kate Griggs, the campaigner and founder of Made by Dyslexia, a leading voice in global advocacy for what she calls the superpower of dyslexia. That means disrupting the world's thinking and campaigning for the unique and important skills of people with dyslexia. It's a challenge that Kate has made a lifelong mission and is driven by her own experiences of growing up and the difference identifying her dyslexia made to her own education. With a TED Talk that has garnered almost 400,000 views, Kate's latest book, This is Dyslexia, aims to redefine and reshape how it's shaped our past and how harnessing its powers is vital to our future. Kate, welcome to Changemakers. Thank you, Michael. It's great to be with you. Oh, well, listen, there's so much to talk about, not least because you and I have known each other for, for a, a lot of years, and I've seen how amazingly well you have done in raising awareness and raising consciousness about what you call the superpower. But before we get into it, I wanted to start the interview with a quote for life that you gave to us, which was from Roald Dahl, who said, those who don't believe in magic will never find it. I wonder whether... Bring that to life for us within the context of what we're going to talk about. So I believe that anything is possible. I think everybody should set their goals as high as they possibly can. And that way you've got a chance of reaching it. Whereas if you if you set yourself low goals, then you're very, very likely to reach them, but not reach your potential. And I also think that there's magic in everybody. There's certainly mm. magic in every dyslexic that I've ever met. And I think it's just so important to, to bring both those things out. So I love that quote. Oh, it's a super quote. Let's, let's move on to the magic then of, of the superpower that you have spent your life campaigning around. I, I love your email signature that says, I'm made by dyslexia, expect big thinking and small typos. Pick up the story, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that everybody sees dyslexia, or most people see dyslexia as a problem with learning to read, a problem with spelling, struggling with concentration, and it is all those things. But all of those things can actually be supported with a good education, a little bit of specialist help and use of technology. What people don't realise is that with dyslexia comes this incredible range of fantastic strengths. Mm. And they're things that have helped to make the world we live in. Things like IKEA, the founder of IKEA was dyslexic. uh, And his thinking behind setting up IKEA was that he had a small warehouse, he had lots of things he wanted to sell, so he flat packed them so he could actually fit more things in his warehouse. Now we all buy flat pack furniture and it's just an amazing thing to do. Or you have um, Steve Jobs. I mean, nobody knew that we actually needed a pocket computer, but he did. His dyslexic thinking made him realise and come up with a concept that that nobody thought we wanted and now none of us could live without. Mm. I read, I, read a, I read a wonderful Jackie Stewart quote where he talked about a race that had 187 corners per lap and he could give every gear change and every braking distance on each of the 187 corners. But he had he struggled with the alphabet. I mean, the, the, basically, the story that, that you're telling is that, you know, we're talking about people that might be wired differently, but have got amazing gifts as, as a consequence in the way that they see the world and the, and the way that they see that they see life. I mean, is that... Is that the message of the campaign? It is, absolutely. I mean, dyslexia is actually a different way of processing information. So dyslexic people's brains are wired slightly different than somebody who isn't dyslexic. And that enables us to see the big picture, be able to, rather than look at look at seeing things in sequence, we actually see the, the massive big picture of, of possibilities and things that could be. So that is a huge skill. I mean, having to actually put things 
things in sequence and really look at all of the things that are, which is what we have to do in an education system, looking at facts that we know about. Really, that's not what the world needs. What the world needs is people that can think of, of, you know, what do we need? What can we look at out there that we don't know about already? What can we discover? What can we explore? So it really is just a different way of processing information. Mm. I mean, we're we're speaking and I, I can see that behind you are these iconic figures. You've got portraits of incredible people who are also dyslexic. You've got Steve Jobs, I can I can see that. It, given the roll call of people that have either been diagnosed or suspected to have had dyslexia in, in their in their lifetime, why, why do you think that awareness around dyslexia is is so misty in terms of people's real understanding of what it's about? and what it means for the people that have it? Well, we know that only 80%, or sorry, we know that only 20% of dyslexic people are being picked up at school. So 80% are leaving school without their di- without their dyslexia being identified. And part of that is the lack of teacher training. And as a charity, we've produced free teacher training, so hopefully we can start to counteract that. But another part of it is, is the fact that people think, uh, teachers think if they're identifying dyslexia, then people will see it as a difficulty and a disability and they won't want the label and uh, and people who are identified as dyslexic often don't want to talk about it which mm. because they're embarrassed so I think it's, it's two things it's this massive stigma that is starting to um, break down um, certainly we've seen a huge shift in the five years that we've been operating it's our fifth birthday this year so I think there is that stigma side of things but it is also just this broader awareness that we need to give to teachers and to employers and employees too and, and you had your own experience experience of this cake growing up. Tell us a little bit about that. I was at a girls school that was very traditional. It was a very traditional education and I was doing terribly. I, I felt like a failure. I was failing all my tests. I was really not doing well at school at all. And the head teacher said to my parents that Kate's not going to pass any entrance exams to go to the next school. So I think you need to think about other options. I've got an older brother who's also dyslexic and he was already at Millfield. Um, so my parents, I hadn't been identified as, as dyslexic at all, but my parents thought, well, let's let's see what Millfield thinks. So I went for an interview at the prep school. I was uh, just turning nine years old. Uh, and I remember going into the head the headmaster's office and feeling incredibly nervous because I felt like I was completely useless at everything because I was with schoolwork. And I remember saying to the, t- the head teacher, look, I'm I'm not very smart. I'm not going to pass any exams and sort of re- repeating all the things that the, the headmistress at the school had said to me. And he said, oh, well, no, we're not worried about that. He said, if you're not good at exams, the chances are you're dyslexic and we can deal with that. We can give you the, the support to help you with that. He said, what we really want to know is what you're good at. What are you passionate about? And he said, and if you're dyslexic, you're going to be really good mm. at something. What, what, would you, just, what was your answer to that? What, what did you tell them that you were passionate about? I'm, I'm, I'm interested in the things that have shaped you in terms of what, you know, what goes from the kind of the nine-year-old child that's where I guess the lights are going on in terms of understanding there's a different way. And then what take what what takes us towards the kind of global advocacy campaigner that we see today? I think it's two things. I think that that moment in my childhood changed my life. And within, you know, three or four months of being at school, they worked out that I was had leadership skills. I've always been very keen on equality and every 
and fairness and not liking bullies and all of this sort of things that that really I'm campaigning for today really so and it's also just the way it transformed my life was honestly it was it was completely completely changed me as a person Mm. so I'm really keen everybody gets that sense but also the other thing that really did it for me is when my own son um, started school we had exactly the same things leveled at him he's not very bright he's not going to do very well in mainstream school you probably need to think about a special school and Ted was sort of five or six at that time and I just couldn't believe that nobody in his school was trained in dyslexia Mm. or could see his incredible talents and they're actually things that he's gone on to to do in life and be hugely successful at. If Um, if there are teachers listening to this in terms of you know those that because you know in this instance it wasn't identified initially are there signs that teachers should think about in terms of young children and and actually how they're developing there are lots of signs I mean red flags for anybody is struggling to learn to read not being able to spell not being able to learn things by rote so times tables all of those things and there being a sort of mismatch between what a child seems capable verbally or how smart they seem and getting their thoughts on paper or being able to to work in a in a school environment those Mm -hmm. are really big red flags but also teachers should be looking for the skills I mean Ted at age four or five he knew the name of every single dinosaur he was he was a dinosaur expert he knew whether they were carnivores or herbivores he he just knew everything about them but he could barely write his own name and Mm. he wasn't grasping reading at all that should be such a red flag and and I think I personally think you can see dyslexia more by the strengths often than the challenges Mm -hmm. so every child has potential but dyslexic children have that sort of mismatch between this sort of brilliance on the one hand and struggling with traditional education now in my very sort of early days of starting up my own business we, we wrote a um uh, nick and i my business partner we wrote a report for virgin media pioneers with sir richard branson who i know you work with very closely it was called disruptive influence and it was about why are some of the things that are considered almost like badges of honor when you get into business seen as being you know disruptive and and, and an influence being brilliant but actually as, as seen as not a great thing at at school, I suppose allied to that is some BBC research that estimates that 60% of self-made entrepreneurs are, are dyslexic. I mean, wh- why do you think that is? And, and I suppose, what, what was the what was the message you've got from, from Richard Branson over the years? So Richard very much, like me, believes that dyslexia is a superpower. It's all about the expansive thinking that we have as dyslexics, the fact that we can see problems before anybody knows they've got them and we, we find the solutions. And that's what a good entrepreneur does, really, don't they? They kind of mm. see, they see gaps in the market. It. They look at where people need need things that they don't know they need. But I think it's it's also very much about that positive disruption. The, the fact that being disruptive, being a bit of a rebel, is a really good thing in business, and and that's what that's what Richard's built his whole business on. So, mm. um, yeah. when you look at some of the skills that you read um, that dyslexic people have, curious, creative, lateral thinking. I mean, they feel like a roll call for the jobs of the future. When you look at what what create you know what 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 future employers are looking for in the workplace i mean it's interesting isn't it that if you take the point that one in five people are are dyslexic then then, then that means that that 20% of the population are, are already hardwired with vital skills for the future. Is that, is that an opportunity to, to sort of really, to really look at, um, to actually sort of think about? 
It's a huge opportunity. Uh, and it's something as a charity, we've been doing research with Manpower and with EY, looking at how dyslexic thinking skills map against the World Economic Forum skills for the future. And there is a direct match. And mm. so much so that LinkedIn have just listed dyslexic thinking as a skill as of a couple of weeks ago. So, uh, and thousands of people are now actually adding dyslexic thinking as a skill. So it is very much, dyslexia is all about the soft skills. It's about leadership, innovation, creativity, all the things that we know are uh, skill shortages in in the workplace today. So Mm. uh, we just have to get education to catch up with that view that these are super vital skills. I I mean, and as you'll know, Kate, there, there are cynics about this you know when i mean i was reading a i newspaper piece that described uh, dyslexia as a tendency to excel at conceptual or big picture thinking as opposed to granular detail or rote memory and you know a, a lot of a lot of critics would turn around and go well that's the problem isn't it because these are soft skills they're unquantifiable they're difficult you know how, how do you actually really know that this is the superpower as opposed to these very hard measurable sort of skills that people can understand and can actually see in terms of your abilities What's the response to the naysayers on on that, do you think? I think the response is twofold. Firstly, Manpower, EY, HSBC, Microsoft, all of the GCHQ, all of these incredible organisations are actively hiring dyslexic people because of the way that they think. Mm. So you can be a naysayer, but actually that's happening in the real world. And I think also it's really important to recognise that the sort of granular rote learning is what Google does. And we don't need people that think like Google. We think we need people that know how to use what Google can do to create the sorts of things uh, and skills we need for the workplace. Mm. So I think they just need to catch up or be left behind, to be honest. But I mean, I mean obviously, you've, you've mentioned progressive employers, but still, if you believe the data, three out of four dyslexics hide their dyslexia from, from their employers. I mean, this is still an issue where... A lot of people feel profoundly uncomfortable revealing themselves, don't they? Well, that's why we're here, because if we believe the research that we are hearing and doing with organisations like Manpower and EY, they are quite clearly showing you that dyslexic thinking is what we need. So now we have to get people to to recognise that and start opening up about it. And I mean, the outpouring we've had from dyslexic people since we launched the LinkedIn campaign, for instance, has been unbelievably amazing. And it is for a lot of dyslexic people, they've spent their lives thinking that they're not as good as everybody else at lots of things. And we're not as good as a lot of people at a lot of traditional standardised tests and standardised thinking. But if you ask us to think differently, then we are way better than most people mm. at thinking differently. So you picked up on on some of this in, in your book, This Is Dyslexia. And of course, you wrote it in a way which encouraged a, a, a multi-sensory relationship w- with the book. Tell us a little bit about that process and, and also what you learned along the way in, in terms of altering it. Uh, it's, it's written with as few words as possible. It has lots of lists, lots of inspirational quotes. It also has QR codes to films and videos that we've made or or links to things that help you to explore more. And the one thing that's been really, really interesting about the process is that so many people who aren't dyslexic have actually said, what an incredible way to present information. It's, It's just much, it's great to start off with an executive summary or have one at the end of a chapter. So you can kind of look at that 
that and then decide whether you want to read the the whole chapter. So it's been an an interesting experience of people who are not dyslexic saying how brilliant it is to absorb info. Mm. And of course, you know, one of the things that you are is, is is a campaigner. I mean, you know, and you've got a, an exciting new chapter for the campaign that you're working on. Tell, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so May by Dyslexia is five in May. And to celebrate that, we are going to be launching the World Dyslexia Assembly. And we are bringing some of the most influential people across the world. Many of them are dyslexic. And we are going to be working with them to create real systemic change on the ground for dyslexic people so level the playing field so it isn't just the rich and famous or or, or the wealthy and middle class that can get support which is what it tends to be now for dyslexia Mm. this is about making sure that every child in every classroom can actually access the support that they need and we are we have some incredible partners we're working with Prince Carl Philip in Sweden and we have an event at the palace in Sweden we're working with Eric Adams the mayor of New York and we're going to be doing a really really big event in New York in 2023 so and we have just the most extraordinarily passionate dyslexic people all around the world working with us so city by city country by country we will eventually make sure that all Mm. are spotted and supported. Was there ever a sliding doors moment where you know, you kind of considered other paths for your life opposed to being, you know, because obviously when you look at it, you've invested your own time, your own talents to really drive the narrative shift. But I wonder, is there another version of Kate that might have gone on and done something else? I mean, what, what, what was the point of consciousness where you thought, I'm just going to do something about this. I'm going to devote my life to achieving it. It was my kids. It was it was seeing my son incredibly unhappy and thinking that he was just completely stupid and knowing exactly what he needed and how quickly he would progress once he got that. And I, I then trained in dyslexia, actually, and realised that it wasn't just Ted's experience. It was something everybody was going through. And I think that one of one of the things that I have as a dyslexic thinking skill is this sense of justice and mm. wanting to change things and believing that you can change things. Dyslexia is a big business around the world, and that's why it's not been solved. We need to make sure everything is free everything is free at the school level up and then the same should be happening in the workplace because it's not expensive to sort this problem out it's just expensive when lives are being ruined because we're not doing what we should be doing and and how far along that path to a solution are we I mean when when you look at the journey that you've embarked on to educate, to empower, to bring awareness and to change that narrative. Where, where, where are we, do you think, in your work in terms of achieving that goal? I think we're a long way to achieving it. For the first five years, we wanted to prove the fact that dyslexia was a vital way of thinking that we needed to get the world to do something about. We've also known how to spot and support dyslexic children since the 1930s when, when Millfield was set up, basically. And we have partnered with three of the world's leading dyslexia schools to create free teacher training, which is all video based. Mm. And we've partnered with Microsoft to make that free for absolutely everybody. So we've created the assets now. We've done a similar thing with the workplace. So we have lots of free resources for the workplace. So my mission now is that by we've aligned with the UN SDGs. So there are three sustainable goals that dyslexia impacts quality education, industry and innovation 
innovation and reduced inequality. So we are going to achieve this by 2030. I mean, I mean obviously, something you and I share is we, we both we both went to Millfield. We both, you know, had that experience. And the thing that I'm thinking about is that obviously when a school with those sorts of resources gets hold of an issue, it can put a lot of talent and time in terms of addressing it. I, I'm thinking about the wider societal shift. I'm reading your idea about what you hope for a new normal, a world without standardised tests where where everyone, young and old, is valued for their individual strengths, not measured and compared to outdated norms. Well, you know, some people might say, well, well, well that's that's the current examination, you know, sort of standards that we we put our our kids through at GCSEs and, and, and A levels. When you're looking at the big gear shift, not just for the few, but for the many, where you're actually asking for in effect, a complete rewiring of the way that we do things to get ready for that future. Do you get a sense that you might be winning that argument? Or do you get a sense that there are a lot of vested interests that will say, well, look, some people might lose out, but this is as good a system as any we could create in terms of preparing our kids for the future? Just to backtrack a little bit, or step back a bit, I think for dyslexic children, there's two things. First thing, we have to level the playing field. So we have to get them the help they need, get them identified so they can actually function in the system that we live in with right now with GCSEs and all those those other things but as a country we have to change our education system because if we don't we're going to be left behind and it's not just me saying that have a look at all of the research that's coming out of the OECD have a look at all of everything that is being pointed at at the moment in terms of the skills that we need for the future we don't need children who can pass exams we need children who actually can take all of the knowledge that is on Google and turn it into what the world needs. It is about those soft skills. So I think that we'll have to change because otherwise we'll be left behind. And in Britain right now, we need to be the creative, innovative, wonderful nation with all of those skills that I think Britain's naturally hardwired with. We have to untap that. I believe dyslexia is the catalyst that will make that happen because we have these kids hardwired with this thing now we have to make sure mm-hmm. that we level that playing field and then change the game for them and everybody else. Well, we started this conversation with your quote for life. I'm going to finish, if I may, with with your best tip for life. And I, 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 would it be helpful for me to read it out? Because it's, it's a full... Let me, let me read it. And then I'd like you to pick up the story, Kate, to share the message with listeners. So here it is. Lean into your superpowers and delegate your kryptonite. When you do what you're good at, you love, you love what you do. And your challenges will be someone else's superpower. This is essential for dyslexics, but great for any team. So we know that it is all about people finding their strengths and doing doing the thing that they're really good at, because then we can really become really, really good at it. For dyslexic people, they have to delegate their challenges because if they don't, they're going to spend an awful lot of time, much more time on the things that they're bad at than the things that they're good at. That is what successful teamwork is all about. It's about Mm -hmm getting a team that does what they're good at. And as I say, everybody will be really, there'll be somebody who is really good at the things that you find challenging. That's good for everybody, just not dyslexic people. Oh, wonderful, Kate. Thank you so much for sharing the story, not only of your brilliant campaign, your brilliant book, but also I think there's sort of the wider message here as well, which is that look look for the magic within people, look for those superpowers, delegate your kryptonite, love it. What a powerful message and what a superhero. Thank you so much for joining me on Changemakers. Thank you. 
Changemakers is brought to you by the campaign's firm Seven Hills and presented by me, Michael Heyman. Pure Being is the name of our soundtrack and it's written and performed by the brilliant BT Wolf. To find out more, head over to changemakers.works and if you like what you hear, why not give us a rating? Just be me, just be me, just be me.